Good morning. Uh, nice to see you all. Um, man, I've just been really excited from the kind of momentum that's been building over the last few weeks here. And if you've been here, you've kind of seen our God working in different ways, whether it's his voice speaking to us through words of knowledge and the prophetic, or whether it's just seeing his hand at work through miracles, healing signs and wonders. It's just been uh, a very exciting, especially for my wife. And I think it's coming up to a year now that we've been here with you guys, and um, we've just loved every minute. So I just really appreciate the grace that you guys have to uh, receive newbies like ourselves, like-minded, I guess, but also the grace to kind of learn and understand other people's experiences and whatnot too. It's really awesome. So uh, thank you guys a lot for this opportunity this morning. It's, it's, um, it's lovely. It's beautiful. So one of the things I want to start off, and I kind of, I mean, I, I don't do notes and whatnot. I'm not that good at that. I just kind of roll with it. But what's on my heart at the moment is I kind of, I want to go down the hill uh, specifically around uh, healing. We've seen a bit now, and there's been lots of conversation that's come from what we've seen, and I kind of want to continue on that space for a moment. And so I want to start by posing the question, is it the will of God to heal? At any given time, any moment, if you were to pray for someone today, is the will of God towards them to be healed? Now, this is important to know because you're in my position that determine how we respond to both Scripture and to life. What I mean by that is this. If, for example, I don't believe that it's the will of God to heal, or if I just don't know if it's the will of God to heal, if that's my position, then when I'm presented with scripture that says to contend for healing, I'll be hesitant, double-minded, and passive, contending when it concerning healing. When life presents me then with a real situation of somebody in need of healing, that same hesitation, double-mindedness, and passiveness will flow over, and I won't contend in faith for that individual. I might pray because I sincerely care, but the reality is all I'm praying is, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he won't. I don't really know his will, but hey, we'll pray anyway because it's the Christian thing to do. And it becomes religious, rhetoric, cliche, and it's a form of godliness without substance. There's no faith in that. Why? Because you don't know if it's his will or you don't believe it. And so what we conform to then is we start praying fingers crossed prayers, hoping and supposing that he does something, but we don't really know, and it's kind of like the lottery, and hey, we'll see what happens today. And then we wonder why we don't see great moves of faith, because we're not established in the faith. On the flip side of that, though, if you are established in the faith, and you've determined in your heart that it's the will of God, any moment, any given time, to heal the sick, then you're ready to fight. And then when Scripture presents you with Scriptures that say to contend for healing, well, now you're ready to go. That exhorts you, that edifies you, that builds you up and says, yeah, come on. And then when life presents you with a situation, somebody in need of healing, well, now you're ready to go for it. You're established in the faith. You're built upon a rock. And you realize that he's given you a sling and a rock and you'll slay giants. And that's been my stance over the last eight years. When I determined in my heart and realized in my heart that it's the will of God in any given situation to heal the sick, I saw a dramatic increase, not just in the amount of healings, but even the type of healings. In my own hands, I've seen at least 400 plus people healed through my own hands, laying on, awesome. It's amazing. It's fascinating. I've seen at least five legs grow out. Each and every time, it's bizarre. In my own hands, I've prayed for them and I've watched these things come out. It's bizarre every single time. Blows my mind. I've, I've prayed of people who couldn't read the writing on the back of the wall. We prayed for them. Now they're reading the writing on the back of the wall and crying with their family because now their vision's been restored. That's awesome. I've prayed for people who've either been fully deaf or partially deaf. Ears pop. They go to the doctors. They get verified. They have their, their hearing back. Now, that's awesome, but that's because I established in my heart that it's the will of God at any given time to heal the sick. It's his will and desire to heal the sick. So that's why I'm posing that question first. Is it the will of God to heal at any given time? Because your position in that would determine how you respond to both Scripture and life. Now, before we can answer that question, we've got to ask a prior question. What determines the will of God for us? What is the reference point? What is the standard? What is the framework, if you like, that we draw the will of God from? What to us reveals the will of God and tells us his will? The short answer to that is Jesus. 
Jesus is the revealed will of God. You want to know what God is like? You look to the Son, because when you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. In John chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, John says, For the law came through Moses, but grace and truth through Christ Jesus. Now watch this, verse 18. No one has seen God at any time, but now the one and only Son has revealed him to us. Did you catch that? No one. Who? No one has seen God at any time. When? At any time. In other words, ever. In the message translation, it adds the bit. It says, not even a glimpse. No one at any time has seen God, not even a glimpse. But now, the one and only Son has revealed Him to us. Jesus is the revealed will of the Father. You want to know what the Father's like? You look to the Son. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, he says, In times past, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has now spoken to us by His Son. No one at any time has seen the Father, but now the one and only Son has revealed Him to us. In times past, God spoke through the prophets, but in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son. Jesus is the revealed will of the Father. In John 14, 9, Philip asked the question, he says, Jesus, show us the Father and that'll be sufficient for us. That's the New King James Version. Show us the Father and that'll be sufficient for us. That'll set it up for us. It's done for us. Jesus turns to Philip and says, Philip, how is it that you don't yet understand? When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You want to know what the Father's like? You look to the Son, because when you see the Son, you see the Father. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, he says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1, 3 says that he's the perfect expression and representation of the Father, his glory and his nature. You want to know what the Father's like? You look to the Son. He's the revealed will, the standard, the framework that we draw the will of God from. And yet even in that, people will say, well, come on now, brother, fine, balance, have wisdom. You can't know the will of God. Yet Ephesians 5.17 says, don't be unwise, but know the will of God. Hmm. Romans 12.2 says, renew your mind so that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Hmm. Colossians 1.9, Paul prayed, he says, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So the will of God can be known. It's no longer a mystery. The mystery has been revealed. It's seen in the Son. He's our standard. He's the will of God. He's the revealed will of God for you and I today. So now that we ask that question, what is the revealed will of God? Jesus. So now that we know that, we can go back to that first question. All right, is it the will of God to heal? Well, when we observe the life of Jesus and we see his life through the scriptures, the first thing that we notice immediately is that every single person that Jesus ever prayed for was healed 100%. Every single person that ever came to Jesus was healed 100%. Not once did he turn anybody away. Not once did he leave them undone. Every single one of them was healed 100%. And if he's the revealed will of God and the standard we go for, then that's the standard we go for. He said, follow me. Not once did Jesus ever say, hey, look, mate, uh, come back in three days. It's not God's timing today, but if you come then, we'll get it done. <laughs> you see, we laugh because it sounds funny, and it's, it's foolish, but you see, we hear that in Christianity. We hear it all the time. Sorry, man, it's not God's timing. And he said, he never said that. Today is the day of salvation, and he got it done there and then, instant, and he's the revealed will of God. You never once hear Jesus say, hey, uh, look, mate, you've been a bit off these last 10 years. Uh, this sickness is actually to teach you a lesson, build some character, and hope you shape you the way that we want you to be, so uh, my grace is sufficient, hang in there. Not once did he say that. And yet we'll say that all the time. You hear it all the time. Well, I mean, this sickness is here to teach you a lesson. He never said that. That is so condemning. He never said it once. And people will pull and pause thorn in, the, thorn in the flesh, and it's got nothing to do with sickness. We misunderstand what Paul's referring to, and that's a different teaching, but you get what I mean. Jesus never said that. Not once did Jesus say to anybody, hey, look, uh, your unbelief is too big. You know, can you imagine Jesus praying for someone who doesn't get done? He says, dude, your unbelief, wow, too big. <laughs> and that's probably the one that we say the most. 
We pray for people. We don't see them hurt, and we say, mate, it's your unbelief. That is so condemning. How hurtful to put on people who are already in pain or earnest, and yet we come and pray for them and see nothing. We say, dude, your fault again. <sighs> All you're saying in that moment is that their revelation of unbelief is greater than your revelation of the cross, only revealing that what you need then is a greater revelation of the cross so that you can see breakthrough in their moment. Come on, man. Jesus never said that. And you see, often we'll pull Nazareth into that, the town of unbelief. Look, the issue with Nazareth was this. Jesus grew up with them. He grew up in that town. And he said, a prophet is accepted everywhere except his own hometown. The problem with Nazareth is that they've seen him grow up, and they did not believe who he was now professing himself to be. So when Jesus came into the town, the reason why he couldn't do many signs and wonders is because they rejected him. They shut the doors on him. They want nothing to do with him. That's why they couldn't do it. Can you imagine Jesus going into Nazareth, praying over a lame man and saying, rise up? It doesn't happen. He goes, ooh. Let me try that again. Rise up. Silly. See, it sounds foolish, and we know it's foolish. If we stop and think, we realize this. You see, every single person that Jesus prayed for was healed 100%. Not once did he put an excuse on them or anybody else. He got it done there and then. That's our standard. So when we answer the question, is it the will of God to heal? We get an absolute resounding 100% yes. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 says, The promises of God are yes and amen in him. doesn't say that they're yes and no, yes and maybe, yes and wait, or yes, I don't know. They're yes and amen in him. That's the key part, in him. If you've established him as the revealed will of God and you're established in him, then the promises of God to you will be yes and amen. But if you set your standard in anything else but Jesus, then the promises for God for you will probably become yes and no, yes and maybe, I don't know. And that's when the hesitation comes in. That's when the passiveness comes in. That's where the inability to contend comes from. The promises of God are yes and amen in him. Be established in him. He's the revealable of God. You want to know what the fathers are like? Look to the son. You know the Greek word for the word saved is sozo? Now Sam's been awesome at teaching us here about how different words, especially in Eastern cultures, they have multiple meanings behind that one word. Like it's not just what it says it is there. Multiple words, or there's multiple meanings to help describe that one word. The Greek word for the word saved that we read in our Bibles is sozo. Now, what sozo means is not just saved, delivered, one day going to heaven. It also means healed, physically, alluding to the body, healed, cured, preserved, kept safe and sound, restored back to original value. It's a very pregnant word. You see, it's not just saved, going to heaven, or healed of my sins, but it's also healed physically, bodily. Why? Because if Jesus did it all, actually, Jesus had to either do it all or he did nothing at all, because it's two and the same. His desire to heal is just as much as his desire to save. They're two and the same. That's sozo. And that's why you and I, when we read Scripture, we'll often see sin and sickness coupled together. Why? Because they paid a price for them, both of them. That's sozo. For example, Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, forget not his benefits, the one who forgives my sins and heals all my diseases. Sin, sickness, coupled together. Why? Because he paid a price for both of them. That's sozo. In Isaiah 53, he says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed. What do we see? Sin, sickness, coupled together. Why? Because they're two and the same. He paid a price for them both. That's sozo. In Matthew chapter 9, we read the story of the lame man, and Jesus says, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. The religious elite get uptight and say, Who are you to make yourself equal to God, and what makes you think you have the authority to forgive sin? And Jesus says to them, Well, what's it easier for me to say? To say to him, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But to prove to you that even I, the Son of Man, have the authority to forgive sin, I say to this man, rise up and walk. Sure enough, he gets up and walks. What's he doing? 
Sin, sickness, coupled together. Why? Because they're two and the same, and he paid a price for both of them. That's sozo. In 1 Peter 2.24, he says, He bore our sins on the tree that we might die to sin and live to God. By his stripes we were healed. Now, there's two things I want to say about this scripture. First one, again, we see sin, sickness, coupled together. Why? Because he paid a price for both of them. That's sozo. But the second part here, if we compare 1 Peter 2.24, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes we are healed. Present tense, are. 1 Peter says, by his stripes you were healed. Past tense, were. What's the difference? Jesus. When he came, he paid a price. He made it all done, completely done. He paid for it all. So now, after Jesus, it's settled. In other words, it's a truth of heaven that says to you and I, you were healed. It's a done deal. Or in the words of Jesus, it is finished. But watch this. Truth is said, you are healed. But our facts will tell us, but I'm still ill. I still have pain. I still have issues. But yes, truth is said, you are healed. Yeah, yeah, but my facts say I'm still in pain. I still have issues. I need healing. Yeah, yeah, but truth says you are healed. Yeah, but my facts say that I'm still in pain. The biggest problem we've done today is we've elevated the facts above the truth and then wonder why we never received the promise of the truth. We glorify the facts and we campaign instead of being established in the sun, looking to him, seeing him as the revered will of God and saying, that's my standard. That's what we go for. And we get run over like a steam train by the devil. <laughs> Because we haven't been established in the faith. It's the will of God. His desire to heal is just as much as his desire to save, and his desire to save is just as much to heal. In James 5, he says, If any be sick among you, let him take him to the elders of the church. They'll anoint him with oil, pray for him, and the prayer of faith will save him. Now watch this. And if he has any sins, they'll be forgiven too. No mention of even confessing sin or talking about sin. Did you catch that? If anybody is sick, go to the elders. They'll pray for you, anoint you for oil, and you will be saved. But if you have any sin, sin, it's a done deal too. We'll cover that as well. Sin, sickness, coupled together. Why? Because they're two and the same, and Jesus prayed for them all. That's sozo. You with me? You following? I'm talking straight today. I'm not angry at anyone. I'm just saying, come on, guys. We can live this life. It's possible. But now let's be honest. Not everybody we've prayed for has been healed. That's been my truth so far. I've prayed for people and not seen them healed. I've prayed for people and lost them. I've prayed for people on their deathbed, and 24, 48 hours later, they're gone. I've prayed for people. I've stood over caskets, man, and I've prayed for people to come back to life. I'm not kidding you. I've stood over caskets, commanded them to come back to life, and nothing's happened. But one thing I don't do is relent and step back and say, oh, well, this, maybe this doesn't work. You know, I keep my focus on the truth. I keep my focus on him, the standard, the revealed of God, and I keep pursuing that. You see, one of the biggest mistakes we make when we pray for people and don't see them here is that, and that we now begin to define God through our experiences instead of the Son. Yeah. And then we create spiritual analogies to comfort our hurting hearts because we care, but it comes at the cost of truth, and that truth is the only thing that will set us free to run this race properly, fully, and powerfully. Yeah. <sighs> Too often we'll pray for someone, we take a step back, and then we create theologies to make ourselves feel comfortable and our inability to see breakthrough for them, only to leave them in a rut. And that ain't cool. I'm not cool with that. And then we begin to define our experiences or allow our experiences to define God, and we let human wisdom and human thinking and human rationale and the unrenewed mind and the mind of the fallen man to creep in, and then we begin to analyze the experiences, and without knowing, we slowly convince ourselves out of the will of God to heal at all. And it will seem right, it'll sound right, it'll look right, it'll feel right. 
but it's eating our lunch. Proverbs 14, 12 says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in destruction. There's a way that will seem right to you and I. It'll seem right. Yeah, I've prayed for people, some were healed, some were no, therefore it's not always God's will to heal. Yeah, we'll roll with that. And it'll seem right, but it ends in destruction. Oh, come on now, brother. He heals somebody, doesn't heal anymore. Show me that in the sun. Come on, bro. Sometimes you use sickness just to teach us a lesson. Show me that in the sun. It's not always God's will to heal you. No, show me that in the sun. That's right. You can't show me that in the sun. It was never in the sun. So don't eat of it. No matter how right it seems or how good it feels or how correct it might make in the rational human mind, if you don't see it in the sun, don't eat it. Otherwise, we become no different than Eve who decided to live as every other voice instead of his voice. And we lose standard of what's been revealed in the sun and we give up for our experiences in life and then we allow voices to listen to instead of his voice. You follow Follow me. Oh, my goodness. I don't get like this, man, when I talk. I mean, this might be different feel. Usually I'm pretty chilled, but I feel like, ah, come on, you know, we can live this. I'm ready to roll, man. You see, because if we're not careful, then what we end up doing is we begin to let life speak louder than the sun. And then the reality is, is that life becomes our Lord instead of him letting him being Lord and be Lord over our lives. And then we begin to let our experiences and human wisdom to define God for us instead of humbly submitting to the Son and allowing Him to define God for us. Man. Colossians 2.8. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through empty philosophy and deceit that comes from human thinking and not from Christ. What's Paul saying? He's distinguishing the two things, human thinking and in Christ. If you're not established in the Christ, you're given to human thinking. The moment you fall into that, you make yourself at risk of being cheated by empty philosophy and deceit. And that's why we have problems today. That's why we see so much loss. That's why the church has become powerless and active concerning healing the things of the Spirit because we've lost sight of who we are. You see, man, that little critter, that, that slithering snake who's withering away to nothing, he'll always come around and yap in your ear and he'll get you to give into your experiences in life and throw human wisdom back in and try to get you thinking that way because he can, if he can do that, he can pull you away and he can deceive you and pull us. And that's when that's where problems come. And I refuse to give into a man. Like I said, I've not seen everybody here, but I don't pull back. I don't shut shop. I don't turn this around. I keep pursuing him all the more. Hosea 4, 6 says that we are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, not the will or choice of God. So let's get the knowledge and we can stop the destruction. (laughs) (laughs) If we get the knowledge, we can stop the destruction. He's a good God. And he is for us. He's never against us. And he set and revealed the standard in his will. He said that he's given the earth to the sons of men and he said to subdue it. And yet we're being subdued by it. Come on. He's put his spirit in us. And he said, you slay the giants. You heal the sick. You can do it. I'm with you. Follow me. That's our standard, guys. That's the revealed will of God. He's our standard. He's the one we're following. (laughs) In Matthew 17, this is the only time that we don't ever see healing in the Gospels. And it's not with Jesus. It's with his disciples. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. A father brings his son to Jesus and says, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Did the disciples get it done? No. 
Jesus turns to the disciples and says, you faithless and perverse generation, how long must I bear with you? It's pretty heavy, straight shooting. (laughs) He turns to the boy, heals him, sets him free, and reveals that it's the will of God to set him free, to heal him. Watch this. Did the disciples get it done? No. But was it the will of God? Yes. But did the disciples get it done? But was it the will of God? But did the disciples get it done? But was it the will of God? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You see? I've been like the disciples many times and I've not seen it done. Does not mean that it was not the will of God. Thankfully for our sake, the disciples asked Jesus, they pull him aside and they, dude, why couldn't we do it? We've seen so many before. Why didn't we get it done in that time? And Jesus, continuing on a straight shooting, says, because of your unbelief. He didn't say the kid's unbelief or the dad's unbelief or the will of God. He said, your unbelief. Yeah. <laughs> Let us be humble to realize that maybe Jesus is saying the same thing to us today. And it's not a condemning thing. Thankfully for our sake, Jesus then says to them, but this kind, talking about unbelief, only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, that's a whole other teaching in itself, and we don't have time for that. But this capturing of that, if you like, is prayer and fasting is a powerful tool for suppressing the flesh, suppressing unbelief, doubt, unforgiveness, all that fleshly yuck stuff, and rising up in a spirit man to then see things from his perspective. It's the will of God to heal. So what do we do in situations like that then? We don't condemn ourselves. We don't condemn the individual. And we don't turn on God and file accusation against him too. It's a sad day when the clay rises up against the pot and begins to file accusation. Such a deception. Instead, we allow those moments to then take us to the secret place where we pursue God all the more and say, God, I need you more. I need breakthrough in this area. I need to see things clearly because I know if my eye is singular, then the whole body is filled with light. And if I see what you see, then I will do what you did. Yeah. We pursue them all the more in the secret place, and then we get out there and we keep pursuing in the marketplace. We never give up. We never back up. We never pull away. Come on. Just because you don't see it, don't, don't shut shop and say, well, I tried that. This isn't a try me, buy me, see if you like me, 30-day money-back guarantee, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. This is a lifestyle, and we contend, and we keep going, we keep moving, we keep following him. That's the basics of it. We follow him. What do we do? when we don't see them healed. But when we look at the life of Jesus, we see with the blind man, for example, he prayed twice. So there we know already, okay, if we don't see it the first time, we hit it again. One of the analogies that I like to use, and you may have heard it before, is push, P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. We saw here with lovely Meg a few weeks ago, 20% hearing only in the left ear. We prayed once, jumped from 20 to 40. That's awesome, praise God, but we want more than that. It's not enough. We had it again, boom, 40% to 80%. Wow, significant change. That's awesome, praise God, but it's not fullness yet. We had it again, boom, 100%. Jesus came to give life and life in its fullness. Just because we didn't see it the first time does not mean we back up. We had it again, we push, we pray until something happens. Imagine if we stopped praying after that first one. Sorry, Meg, maybe he only wants 40 for this time, you know, come back two weeks. We hit it again. Three times it took to get there, but if three times is what it takes, then three times is what it takes. We don't pull back. He's our standard, 100%. He got it all done. That's what we're pursuing. I'm following him. <sighs> I remember praying for a lady a few years ago. She had arthritis in her left knee and water in the knee, and it was so painful that she couldn't actually walk. It was a Thursday night. I went over to visit her, spent two hours of her just hammering this thing. You know, sometimes like sickness just sits there and kind of looks at you and goes... This guy fly by a night show pony, or is he real deal? You know, it's like it almost just 
that's what I think anyway when I look at it. <laughs> anyway, I spent two hours with this lady, hitting it, commanding it to go, pain, you get it after us, rah, 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 nothing happened. <sighs> I was so frustrated. Thursday night, I left, I came back Friday morning. It was worse than last night. Oh, man. <laughs> what did I do? No, no, no. And so I hit it again. I was like, oh, how? And I rolled up my sleeve. Come on, then boom, boom, boom. And I hit it again, hit it again, hit it again. And there was only a tiny bit of change, but she's still not able to move, still in pain. She didn't go to work that day, actually. That's a Friday. I came back the Friday evening. I hit it again. Rah, move, get out, leave, be healed. Slight, tiny, insignificant almost change, but there was something happening. Came back the Saturday, third day, and it was slightly better. The pain had resided, and she had a bit more mobility, and she was able to actually walk in it slightly more. I thought, awesome. We hit this again. Ah. Third day, that evening I came back. We prayed for it again, and it was awesome. Dramatic, more increase. Still pain, still a little bit of immobility, but we were seeing progress. The next day, Sunday, she wakes up completely healed, completely free. She goes to her church. She testifies in front of all of them, and she dances in front of the church. Wow. Oh, my goodness. But imagine if I stopped praying on that first night when I saw nothing happen. Or imagine if I stopped praying on that second day when it was worse. Hey, I've got a reputation to keep here, mate. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> self-preservation, man, it's robbing us. <laughs> imagine if I stopped on that third day. It's the will of God to heal every single time. And we hit and we hit and we push and we pray until something happens. We never back off. You know, one of the biggest... Yeah, I'll share this. Often we'll put fear in a costume and we'll call it wisdom. Or at worst, we'll call it sincerity. Come on, brother, be sincere. Oh, dude, I can tell you testimonies that will blow that whole thing out of the water. Look, the fact that you want to pray shows that you're sincere. No one in their human mind will want to pray for the sick, but when you come in Christ and that's your heart desire, you are very sincere. Go for it. I, the first time I learned this was a few years ago walking under the canopies and there was a lady there with a crutch and she had a, grandson, a son with her grandson. And I come up to her and says, hey, what happened? What happened to your leg? What puts you in the crutch? And she says, well, I had a hip operation two years ago. I'm in immense pain. I'm always in pain, have been ever since. And so this crutch helps me just to kind of get around. I said, man, that's tough. Can I pray for you? She says, oh, no, thanks. And starts to hobble off. Now, most people, if you're worried about being sincere in that position, you say, okay, now we'll leave her alone. Hey, we'll just pray from here. Ah, not me, bro. I started walking around next to her. And I said, come on, man. You know, I believe it's the will of God to hear you. He wants to set you free. And she said, oh, no, thank you. And I says, man, I don't want anything from you. I just think that he wants to take this pain away from me. And she goes, oh, no, I'm okay. I've got a crutch here. And I says, well, God can take that away too. And then she says, oh, I've got my grandson here. He helps me out. I said, oh, well, God can take him away too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying when I say that. You know, I'm just saying, God, <laughs> you, can, you know, you can be set free of this stuff. And she said, no, again, shut down, boom, three strikes out. I didn't give up. I said, oh, man, can I please see your hand? She puts her hand out, and I place my hand on her hand, and then I start to pray. <laughs> and I said, leg, I command you be free. Your pain, get out. And then I get a word of knowledge that she has one leg shorter than the other. And so I said, hey, have you got, a, have you got one of your legs shorter than the other? And she goes, well, duh, that's what happens when you get a hip operation. I was like, oh, hell no, don't ever talk to me like that. You know what? Keep your leg and your grandson. See you later. No, no, no. I'm just playing. <laughs> But you see the resistance I'm getting, but I'm not backing off because I know it's the will of God towards her. And so I say to her, this is outside Subway in Pororoa, the little uh, square seat down there. I sit her down, I lift up her legs, and sure enough, her left leg is shorter by at least 10 centimeters. That's a dramatic difference. By this time, there's a crowd of 10, 15 people. Now, there's smokers just watching, you know, watching this conversation happen. 
And I pull up her legs and I say, wow, can you see this? And she says, yeah, well, I live with this. And I say to the grandson, come here, can you see this? And he says, yep. <laughs> and I said, have you guys ever seen a leg grow up? And the, she goes, she looks at me, but she doesn't even answer. And he looked, he doesn't even answer too. And I said, watch this. And I said, in the name of Jesus, left leg, I command you, grow. Over the next minute, we watched this leg come all the way out, completely, 100%. It was the most insane thing I'd ever seen. I'd seen two before that. This one just blew my mind. While it's coming out, this woman runs over, grabs the lady and says, Mom, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's saying, look at my leg. Look at my leg. It's growing. I can feel it. It's growing. It's growing. Oh, my goodness. And it comes all the way out. And then I got to say the line. I said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was cool, man. And she stood up. She lifted up her crutch. And she walks up and down. And we've got a crowd of 10, 15 people. And she's going, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And it was awesome. It's the will of God. But if you're worried about being sincere in that moment, you wouldn't have seen it happen. But look at this. If God did it, he must have been okay with it. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Then she tries to convince me. She says, oh, I've got the picture of the Lord's Supper on my wall, and I pray every single morning. I'm like, dude, five minutes ago, you'd want nothing to do with me. Now here you are trying to tell me you're a Christian. (laughs) But look, here, there's a lesson in that too. As long as you believe you can live with your illness, you will. Come on, guys. It's the will of God. From that moment there, one of the ladies who was watching, she came over and she said, are you a healer? I said, no, no, I believe in Jesus. Jesus has done this. He's the one. And she said, can you please come with me? My daughter's in the car. She's got issue with her knees. Can you come and pray for her? Went around the corner, prayed for her in the car, and unfortunately it was an issue that you can't test. It like comes and goes. But that's, that was a fruit, if you like, or an extension from pursuing in faith in that moment there. Those 10, 15 people, who knows what happened on that day? Who knows what they went back to work or wherever they're going with thinking in their minds? Because we all watched that thing come out, man, and it was awesome. It's the will of God. And so what I want to do right now, I'm really big on being doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Let's get into this and let's do it. So what I would really love for us to do is if we could actually go for this together, you know, for each other. We're seeing momentum in it already. We're seeing things take place, and let's keep going for this, guys. Let's keep pursuing it and keep our eyes on him, focused on him. So what I want to ask, if there is anybody here that you have any sort of illness, sickness, disease, injury, deafness, whatever it is, if you just want to place your hand up for me. All right, cool. Looks like about half of us, which is, uh, <laughs> which is all good. All right, now what we're going to do, we're going to do this, guys, not me. It, it's us. I want you guys to run further than I'm running with this. I want you guys to see more things than I am. What we're going to do now Everybody who needs prayer for an injury illness, I'm going to keep your hand up. Everybody, if you're around them, I want you to go and surround yourself. And once you get at least one person with you, I want you to drop your hand down. All right? So those who, if you're around these individuals, if you want to go and sit beside someone, as soon as someone's with you guys, place your hand down, and we'll see how many are left. 